a podcast of travel stories. Each week, we hope to bring you a conversation with someone we meet overseas, and at least one good story. Episode 70, Chicago Live Show, Part 1, South Korea, where Anne took off her hijab. Last week, we gathered our friends and family for the very first live recording of The Observer Effect in the Hull House Dining Hall at the Jane Addams Museum in two parts. Jane Addams made Hull House a place where Chicago's immigrants and locals could come to know each other and benefit from a mutual exchange of ideas and culture. I met the first guest, Anne, about six years ago in Busan, South Korea, where she was an international student, having moved there from Jakarta, Indonesia, to study. When I left, I never dreamed that the next time we met would be in my hometown and under such circumstances, with Anne having such a dramatic story to tell. This episode is the perfect distillation of the observer effect. Primo Levi wrote, from the vantage point of being both a chemist and a writer, and having survived the worst possible journey that anyone could imagine in his memoir, The Periodic Table, that distilling is beautiful. Thank you so much, Anne. Um, <laughs> Sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm very nervous, actually. <laughs> How about another round of applause? <laughs> so I have just four simple questions that I ask everyone I interview. Mm -hmm. And the first is, can you describe what you look like for um, the audience? <laughs> yeah. um, I'm an Indonesian girl, so I am a South Asian-looking Asian girl with long black hair, but I tied my, my hair now. Um, I'm 160 meters, uh, centimeters, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, um, I wear jeans and long sleeves, yeah. And can you describe where we are? I'm, I'm curious what, what you know about this place. Um, we are in the Hill House um, event hall. <laughs> I'm sorry, I, uh, I don't really know much detail about it, but the only thing that I know is near from the UI UIC, and this is my first time to come here. Yeah. And you just moved to Chicago about a month ago, right? Yes. From how long did you spend in South Korea? Uh, I spent in South Korea for about um, seven and a half years. Yeah, since I was uh, 18 years old, when, uh, I, I spent there for my bachelor's and also for my master's. And after I graduated, I flew here to pursue my PhD course. And I, I've asked you this, everyone's asked you this many times, <laughs> but what do you think of Chicago? For me, South Korea and Chicago are extremely different. Yes, um, to be honest, I'm, I'm getting a culture shock here <laughs> because uh, the place that I came from, uh, I mean, I lived in South Korea is way so much different, especially um, the way that people treat people. Like in here, the people are really nice. You say thank, thank you for everything. <laughs> I know that maybe it's not a big deal, but for me, it's really a big deal. 
you say hi to everyone, you say thank you to everyone, but in, in South Korea, um, they have a really nice people, but they also have their own cultures, and they don't really say thank you. They have their own way to say thank you. So um, that's pretty much like um, a little bit shock for me, and I'm really happy about it. You know, it, it you know uh, when people say thank you to you, it's really amazing. It gives you energy for you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, and I, I have to say, I was worried about you uh, coming to Chicago, picturing you uh, adjusting here. But then talking to you yesterday, I realized. Chicago is actually much smaller than Seoul. <laughs> yes, so. actually, geographically, yeah, it's like that, yeah. So I imagine it might be less dense and less confusing than, than Seoul as a yeah. big city. Um, I found in Chicago it's really um, unique because the address, the grids, you know, it's, it's really a new thing for me because in South Korea it's really, really, really complicated. You have lots of U-turn everywhere. You have. Like the the cross uh, the cross street is never like Chicago. It's always like we have um, five intersections. You know, um, yeah, very very complicated. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I want to backtrack. Why did you move to South Korea? You're from Jakarta yes. originally. Yeah. That's what, why? <laughs> How did that happen? Um, it was in 2009 when I I just about to graduate from my high school. And um, just one simple reason, uh, for three years I spent my time to learn Japanese, but I'm really bad at it, to be honest. I almost, I almost not graduated because, because my Japanese score was too bad. <laughs> yeah, but I graduated anyway. So after that, I challenged myself, like, why I cannot learn other language? And also my English was quite bad at that time. So I, I'm curious why I cannot learn English, why I cannot learn any languages. So um, my friends come up and why don't you try Korea? But at the time, the only thing I know about Korea is Samsung. <laughs> yeah, Samsung and LG. Yeah. Like, what what else? What happened in Korea? And there there was no K-pop at the time. There was no um, Korean drama, Korean yeah TV series. Um, and I just took that challenge, and my, my parents actually sport about it, and I happened to come to Korea. Yeah, um, and I learned Korean, I can speak Korean, and I've spent like four years for my bachelor's um, um, learning computer science in Korean. Can you believe that? I mean, <laughs> you're learning something in a foreign language, which is both, you don't really know about it, yeah, that's pretty much my story. <laughs> and now you're learning it in English, right? Yes. <laughs> it's, it's really different. I mean, I, I've been learning computer science for seven years in Korean. And now I came here, I, I go to the class, and I have to learn all the words in English. It's a really big transition for me. <laughs> Um, by the way, there's lots of English teachers here in the crowd, so let's make sure we hook you up with somebody. <laughs> so, um, this is the big question, and there's lots we can talk about. I know you have one story in particular that, that I'm curious to hear sure. fully, but maybe we can talk about a few other details before that. Mm -hmm. I'm curious, how did Korea 
changed you? That's a long time to be away from home. Yes, um, Korea has changed me a lot. Actually, uh, I think the most important time in my life because um, uh, I'm Indonesian, I'm Muslim, and I used to wear hijab before. And I wear it for almost seven years until I finish my master. But there was um, kind of um, a moment for me that made me decided to take it off. Um, yeah, and that's what happened when I was in during my master. Um, well, actually, uh, to be honest, I don't know where I have to start with, but um, I found like. Can you talk first about um, what what it meant? For you to have to wear your hijab, when did you start, and mm -hmm. what, what did it mean for you? I um, wear my hijab actually after I finished my high school. Just two months before I came to uh, before I, I went to Korea, mm -hmm. so it's actually it was shocking also because people near me like, you'll be going abroad. Why are you wearing just two months before? Didn't you think about it? And I was like. Yes, I'm sure about it because I love my identity, I love my religion, and I want to practice it wherever I go. So I, I wear it proudly, and I came to Korea. Um, but, well, for, uh, for my first year, actually, it was amazing. The Korean people are really nice. They have a really nice culture, amazing culture. Um, but. Here's the thing that I, I want to come, um, emphasize with is when you're traveling for maybe several months and when you live there for years, it's really, really different. So my first year actually was great, but after I passed my first year, I get to know about, uh, about my friends, the cultures near me. It changed everything. Um, um, especially when I went for my master's study, I get to know more about Korean culture, especially, um, as you know, that in, in Korea, they do um, military service for every man in Korea. So, um, so basically, every, every Korean man has his military culture deep inside their mind. So wherever they go, um, they will apply it into, into their, their lives, in their work life, their personal life, and every aspect of their lives. Um, so I started my master, and I get to get to know to my colleagues, my friends, and, and the university. And I found out that um, mm, They don't really understand about foreigners because actually South Korea has been opened up since 2006, so it's like 10 years ago. So um, they question me a lot of things about my religion and why I don't eat pork, why I don't drink, and something like that. Asking is fine, but when some people approach you and touching you and make push you to um, drink, to eat pork. 
that's um, the start of it. Um, I experienced it for about two years, and uh, I'm sorry, I <laughs> um, it was pretty shocking actually. So I, I, I stayed at school usually till night, and um, I have lots of my colleagues in my, uh, at schools, and well, um, when friends getting together, they're usually um, hugging each other and uh, making physical contact. But um, the thing is just getting too deep and there's nothing that you can do about it. I keep, you know, uh, I keep trying to tell them that I am not comfortable with it, and um, I think they they should. I respect them as my seniors, as as my colleagues, but I need them to respect me as their colleagues also, with my hijab and stuff. But the problem is. Um, there is a hierarchical culture in South Korea that um, perhaps they won't really um, listen to you if you were a junior or yeah, lower rank than you. So they said like, no, no, we were just joking. We were just, you know, we were close and we met every day. That's how we interact with each other. But the problem is, um, they did it only to me, as long as I, as I observe, because we have another Indian students and we, we have another um, foreign students. Um, they give them spaces, but not to me. So, um, I keep asking why they're treating me like that. And they just like, no, because you're different. We we like you. We are uh, getting polite with you. So I keep thinking and thinking like, why are they they're treating me like that? Um, I was thinking to report it actually to to the um, to to the authority, but there are also some issues that you cannot. Approach as a foreigner, you cannot you cannot uh, make a report, mm. and it usually not got get well with that. So my friends, some of my friends said, just be patient a bit. Either you leave the country, or you just try to get used to it. That was the only options, and I I have a boyfriend. Yeah, Korean boyfriend, and he's actually helping me a lot through my my time, making me um, you know make me understand why they're doing that and listen to my story. Actually, he was the, the my main reason why I kept uh, continuing my study until I graduated. Um, so after that, um, some people say that maybe they're 
doing that because, of course, you, you, you're different. Maybe because they don't look, they don't see you as a woman. So maybe, yeah, they, they make some suggestions. And really, like, why? I mean, it doesn't make sense to me. So after two years, I keep thinking, and I, I felt like my hijab didn't really protect me, fully protect me, because for, for people without hijab, they just, they just give them spaces. But for me, I wearing my hijab, but they keep you know, approaching me like that. So I decided to took it off, um, because I feel guilty. <laughs> I feel bad, um, but it doesn't mean that, you know, um, all the people like that. It's just the way that I think about it. So I took it off, and after that, I feel a big relief. And there, there was a really big changes with them. They're nice to me. Can you believe it? I mean, they don't touch me. It's, it's completely different. The way that they treat me when I was wearing my hijab and the time when I took off my hijab, I feel respected by them. Yeah, until now, I, I don't really understand, fully understand about it, but that's what happened. So it's a really big changes for me and uh, yeah, that's pretty much the story. But um, I didn't say that the culture of Korea are bad. Korea is a really amazing country, amazing culture, very nice people. I just landed on, on a bad time, on you know, wrong time, wrong place. That's all. Yeah. Thank you so much, Anne. I'm still shaking. So. Thank you to Anne for her bravery in sharing this story. Thank you to everyone who came out to the live show last week. Later this week, we'll publish part two, an interview with the second guest, Kathy Larson. Thank you to Dana Boulay for her music. Thank you to Kiva for arranging such good work, which you can become a part of if you visit kiva.org. And thank you for listening. Thank you.